0: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, it's a hostile takeover. It's Pastor With No Pants On. Three, two, one, hit it! (laughs) Yo, Joey Svensson's in a hotel, half naked! All his parts are all over that place. No cleaning ladies right now during
0: the Bad
2: Christian (laughs) Podcast! Oh right, everybody! Welcome back to the show, man. Stuff going on in the Christian world everywhere. We are and we are plugged into everywhere, it. Joey's at a man. pastors' conference, and that's a huge, huge event. Very important. Is it annual for you guys or what?
0: It is annual. Monthly. It's annual. It's <laughs> it's funny. Every now and and again, I get someone that looks at me really weird and says, "Is your name Joey?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like. The Bad Christian Joey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
2: it's that's kind of that something. So you're is the funny thing being that you're well known as the host of the Bad Christian podcast, basically. And so when you go to pastors' conferences, it's weird because the pastor world is one. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. But it's the Christian world. Everybody knows it's one of the most hotbeds for where celebrity is a commodity where it matters where it works you know what i mean like in the christian world yeah. we know that celebrity association is just it is huge and it's just a big deal and it's really funny and so that's kind of what brings me to what i wanted to talk about first was and i know everybody's seen this i just think it'd be funny to be able to talk about it out loud instead of have to just comment on facebook but did y'all see Coachella's going on right now? And then, uh, is it John Christ? He's a comedian, Yeah, right, the right? comedian, I think. Yeah, yeah. he seems pretty funny, doing some good work out there. He put out the poster for Christchella Festival. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's tweeting it and looking at it. So it's not something unique i found, but I did, I did want to say how cool of work that is that he's doing. It's like... A thousand people on this lineup that he made up here. Uh, I don't know how long you spend on it, but it's like a, a month's worth of uh Babylon B titles in there. Right. <laughs> and I mean, put all this really work funny. into this. Uh, hilarious the funniest thing poster.
1: to me is once again, just like Babylon B, it's, it's thinned out a little bit, but I saw so many people posting this thinking it was real. Like they just skimmed a couple of things. They just saw Yeah, because the idea of Christ Christ it's infiltrating so Coachella, yeah. it makes sense to Christians. So they immediately <laughs> I, I all they that. do is read the title and go, Oh, oh yeah, Hill song. That's cool. And you know, they just read the big ones a little bit, don't really pay attention, and then they go, Oh, <laughs> shoot,
0: this isn't yeah, it's real. Funny. When you sent it to me, I, I I just glanced at it and I thought it was real, and at the bottom I saw O'Doul's Crafts brewery and i was like that's kind of right. <laughs> like i seriously thought that's kind of boring so let
2: me tell you if, if people hadn't seen this look it up it's funny but i'm gonna tell you what it looks like and what's some of the funny things on it but it's just a poster and it looks just like coachella which is going on right now and it's called christchella and it just has the lineup here just like a festival lineup headliner on the first day uh hillsong and then the support acts are hillsong united hillsong worship hillsong young and free Hillsong Teen Choir—that's the, the, the main <laughs> headliners—and then it, it even goes on the, to
1: say ultrasounds from future children of current hillsong members like like that's gonna be people performing just the ultrasounds of people that will be in hillsong
2: then there's uh my favorite one on here is it's the what does the one say it's it's just got so many funny ones it's got the one of where's the one about oh d trump featuring little frankie graham right (laughs) that's one
0: of the acts i like that some of them are just one of one of one of so, the some acts of them are is, just
2: as funny. Just it's just because it's them. Like one is just Scott Stapp. Yeah, it's <laughs> just
0: <you> know, <laughs> There's
3: an Under Oath
2: acoustic set on there. There's a Switchfoot secular set on. There. <laughs>
0: there's there's a there's an act called Those Three Weeks when we embrace Chance the Rapper as Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy Camp's biceps and then you will can, be making the have. You have John Mark McMillan, in parentheses, parental advisory, probably because he's cussed once in an interview or something.
1: <laughs> and the prequel to God's Not Dead featuring Kevin Sorbo as Hercules.
0: <laughs> there are so
1: good. many
2: on here. Yeah, it's just a lot of work going And it's satire, and it, every single thing on here lands because it's so easy to do. I mean, it's just so easy to... Make fun of this Christian stuff to where it's almost believable. Like, and they just keep on going with the right. the, the Hillsong things are just sprinkled throughout. Hillsong, well, it's, in, it's Hillsong so interesting. infants and Hillsong newborns will be there, and Hillsong embryos, ultrasounds for future children.
0: <laughs> it, it's so interesting, and I don't know why this is a little more easier for people to ingest. I, I think because I had someone actually yesterday. You know, I've been hanging out with a lot of pastors, and I had someone tell me how offended he was by toby's satire of a worship song and I, I i don't think that that same person would be upset about this poster i think maybe because toby your song actually like acts out making fun of people worshiping maybe that's the yeah, difference mine's live. something you can yeah but no, no matter what my gosh if we can't we can't make fun of ourselves a little bit I don't
1: No, but that's that's the deeper thing here is that's why this stuff is is happening and and what Matt was just saying it looks so real it it's so easy to make fun of because this is what Christianity is it's not like this is a joke and it's really funny but it's not that crazy that's why a lot of people do believe this when you first see it Like, it's not that crazy. Like, I mean, Joey, you could be at Christchella right now conference. I mean, that could happen (laughs) in the future. And churches go, yeah, we need to do that and infiltrate and do all this stuff. It's just, it's just insane. And and I mean, this is very clever. And I agree. We do need to make fun of ourselves. And I don't think Christianity wants to. I think, I think they think everything has to be brokenness and serious and God helps people. And, you know, the only time you make fun of yourself is, in a certain situation outside of that, it, that's it. And I, I don't even know if they make fun of themselves or it, when they make fun of themselves, they, they're being transparent and it's the goofball thing they did when they were a teenager, when they went golf balling. I was yeah. a bad kid too. <laughs> it's just like, hold on, let, let's, why, why would you? Not goof around with the serious stuff, too, that you do and all this stuff. So. Well, it's interesting
2: I, I, that Christianity can make fun of itself because, I mean, it's, it's not like if you make fun of these names or John Christ or any of these things, it doesn't mean right. I hate them and God is bad and Christianity is bad and we don't even like Christian music. It doesn't even mean any of those things. To me, it's a milestone in a way like, ah, oh, finally this culture is broken. Like the fever may have broken on the yeah. Christian culture to where maybe it can be self-aware and make fun of itself. That is a huge Step of progress. Uh, I, I disagree. Yeah. I don't think that's happening at all. Because <laughs>
0: John John Chris
1: John Christ is one of them. We aren't. The the guy or girl, whoever Joey's talking true. about. That
0: is kind of they, they
1: don't think bad Christian is one of them. No, We're not fighting true. for our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. According to a lot of Christians, all they heard was me say the word fuck or damn or shit. Or then you use that, satire. That, that's or it. Sense they, of humor they, they did about. not listen to me talk about how I still uh, believe in Jesus, how I do want God in my life, how I'm pursuing God. They did, They don't want to hear the real truth. All they mm-hmm. want to hear is the the crappy stuff along with it, and that's why it really bothers me. Also, I don't know if y'all saw it, but at The Real Coachella, uh, Justin Bieber did a uh, a worship set, and mm-hmm. I saw so many... Yeah, he shows up. He was, it wasn't planned or whatever. He shows up, and I, I don't know what songs he's singing because I don't listen to Christian music anyway, but they show up, and I saw so many people posting about Justin Bieber doing it, and the idea of... Maybe God is infiltrating the em- entertainment industry and this is going to change everything. And that Justin Bieber is so awesome and all this stuff, and like completely giving the dude a pass on everything because he did a worship set that he knew would be filmed and everybody would see it. Yeah. Like, I, have, I still have no idea what Justin Bieber's real life is. I don't know what his faith is. I don't know anything. And people are immediately rushing to him to like lift him up as, oh man, this could be the guy, the guy that changes everything. Justin Bieber. who's done crazy stuff, and those same people are the people that run and crush a band like Under Oath for saying a cuss word in their music or uh, Or actually admitting admitting they've been hurt by the church or not Christians anymore. They're telling the truth. There is no non-truth of what Under Oath has done. They've said, this is our music, this is what we want to do, and this is who we are. They've been completely honest about it and getting smashed by... Honestly, just Christians. Yeah, and some of them just are Christians.
2: Christians, and some are not, or whatever. And we're we'll, we're gonna have some of those guys on here, hopefully next week or week after, oh, Soon, yeah. whenever we get that worked out. And we'll ask them about we'll we'll discuss all that. But they're not anti-Christian, and they've probably done a lot more Christian stuff in their life than Bieber, who was the hero, and they're the bad guys. I mean, uh-huh. or you can look at us as the bad guys. Where this is the podcast that tries to destroy the church and everything God has worked so hard for. I, I know one, which is funny. And then the guys in Emory, you know, they used to be Christian and now they're trying to do all the bad things like write our last album about the bible and stuff you know that kind of stuff (laughs) they
1: collected their stones and they're just throwing them at the people who
2: god ordained and called you got to to understand that the the guy making this poster here john christ has done a ton of work that i find productive because it it, you know maybe you're right maybe the culture at large is going to stay the way it is but i am certain that we've seen a lot of the Christian culture move and loosen up in the last five years. Would you not at least agree with that? Like,
0: yeah, I, agree. I mean, the
2: people that are immovable that just want a Donald Trump or a Justin Bieber celebrity to worship and believe whatever they want to believe about them with no regard for the actuality of it. Fine, yeah, th- those people aren't changing, but in general, I find most of a lot of the people. I'm kind of loosening up a little bit, and I think humor is a method to accomplish that, and it's kind of working, I think, so that's kind of fun, I think it's kind of fun, not to mention, if you want to talk about the real Coachella, it's pretty easy to make fun of, too, I mean, what Oh, a, sure. What yeah. a scene right. of hipster douche, unbelievable, oh, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, that. that hip crowd is its own thing to make fun of, too. That's, That's why we got
1: to send the the beloved Bieber in because we can't go there. It's too bad, but he he has the ability to do it. No, I'm just I'll saying one, the I'll say one thing. A pushback are Matt. cliche enough,
2: right? Don't one thing
1: of pushback to show you how tight the the uh, Christian community still is and not making fun of itself that much or taking itself as seriously. How many uh, requests for us to come speak at events like <laughs> yeah. the one Joey's at have yeah. we received? Just right. just give me a round round the number up or down to the closest 10 or whatever to how many guests speaking uh, things uh, of a very influential Christian podcast I, right I'm not just that. tooting our own horn. our brand our name we have been influential how many speaking gigs have we received we've had uh,
0: I got one speaking gig and then the guy wanted a refund right away <laughs> He, hey, this, this guy literally <laughs> sent me a thousand dollars on PayPal, and then like a day later, he he asked me to give it back to him.
1: <laughs> that is too funny.
0: Because what he went, this is what happens all the time. Someone's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm going
2: to do the Bad Christian podcast as a right. guest or whatever, uh, or the book the guy, whatever." Then they go back and listen a little bit more and find a couple more episodes to be sure, and then go, "Wait a minute, better not."
1: Oh, that 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 you do not know how many times. Uh, we've gotten asked uh, Christian musicians, worship leaders and stuff like that, worship bands, big ones, huge ones that have written me. I've been doing the booking for her. And, and they'll say, hey, we, new record's coming out. We would like to come. And, and I write them back honestly. I say, hey, just so you know, because I know they haven't listened to our podcast, all they know is that we're big or have numbers, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about us. Yeah. And uh, then I say, just so you know, I, I use the words, we're a little edgy. <laughs> <laughs> And I said we'd like to, you know, talk about it and I mean we've said, we you know I, I tell them we've said all kinds of things about Christian music but it could be a fun time. Silence. Yeah. Never have heard back once and this has happened multiple. Times. Oh, well, we
2: have a we have a reputation that precedes us, I know. I mean, you know, there's so many conversations and things that happen that I wouldn't betray on air because it just isn't the right thing, but it's not like the big public figures in ministry don't know. Don't know what this is. They've heard of it. The people that we've right. discussed on the show a lot, big time people, pastors and stuff. They they know. They've probably they've heard the clips. And I always hear secondary stories. I'll tell you in person if you ask me a, a couple of them, but I won't say them on air. But there's big, big, powerful rooms of evangelical, famous people that are very aware of what we do and don't like it. And I love that. I just love it. I can't help. I do it. know. I might be I, wrong, but I just love it.
0: I do know there was at one point, if people can uh, conceptualize of this, a big bus of Hillsong leaders listening to us in their bus, and ended up turning it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turn off that trash! Turn that trash that's off. That's the
1: problem of my whole career. Is I've either been too Christian or not Christian enough. That's with Emory. Yep. That's with bad Christian. It's with everything. Like I, you cannot exist really in the middle. And but everybody people, is in real it, it, life. Both though. sides get us. Both sides well, li- get li- us though.
0: Li- li- listen to the irony though. And I, I was I was talking to Priscilla because I've I've heard some of the flack that we're getting um on this conference. Cause there's just I'm, you know, I'm spending a lot more time with people having conversations. It's just a, a different environment from my regular Monday to Friday. And uh I, t- I told Priscilla on the phone, I was just like, sometimes I just want to tell people. Leave me the F alone and go pick on Bill Hybels or something. And the, the irony of <laughs> people, picky, people are picking on us and standing up for Bill Hybels. And I, I, I don't want to throw rocks at Bill Hybels, but at least we're not cheating on our wives right now. And, and, I, and we've got worse stuff probably that we're dealing with, but all I'm saying allegedly, is... Allegedly.
1: Allegedly he cheated. Yeah.
0: Why are you coming after us? Like, we're not... It's just, I don't know. It's funny. It's well, ironic, and I do, and and I love the, I I just absolutely love the hero worship. I mean, just, we talked about this before, but the Alabama quarterback that went out there and threw some touchdown passes in the national championship game says all praise to Jesus, and he is just validated himself as a Christian, a role model. Everyone should listen to him. Everyone should follow him. All the Christians are big fans, and it's like, You know nothing about this guy other than the fact that he said Jesus. Well,
2: that's what sucks so bad is that parallel between sports. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do with sports. You're supposed to say, roll tide and go Tigers. You're not supposed to – on nothing. Like, I don't care. Maybe it was an interference call, but I'm still going to say that's bullshit because I'm a Tiger fan, right? Right. That's not what you should do with your faith and politics, however. Right. That's not the right approach for that one. That one you <laughs> you got to try to get it right. You got to pay attention, you got to care, you got to tell the truth about stuff. Yeah, I can get away with making fun of gamecocks when they're not really that bad. That's I can that's what that's how you should exp- that's what the sports are for. Play board games with your family and and shit talk them or or have a hero in some other realm, but in realms that the actual outcomes have real world effects on people and abuse and power and structures and your life and your taxes and your eternity try to get those things right don't just go with the people sitting around you and your team that's not how that's supposed to yeah. work you're supposed to think about it you're supposed to tell the truth yeah. about it you're supposed to analyze it carefully
0: I, I think say. another I think another I think another very ironic concept is uh, first of all I, I I personally, and I'm, I guess I'm a little prejudiced. I don't think that we throw a lot of rocks at at specific names, and I I don't think it's uh, unconstructive. But I've heard some people say some really malicious, mean things to us about throwing stones at people in the church, not realizing that's exactly what they're doing. When they are being super mean, and and the thing is, is I mean, we're, we're not offended. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it's it's funny. People throw rocks at us for throwing rocks at people. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, the whole thing is, is, is pretty goofy. Okay, so I got a real quick second. I, I want to tell you guys about something real important, and then I got some other stuff I want to talk about. Now, the important thing, sponsor for today, and you guys know how important our sponsors are. This show is sponsored very. by the rock band Emory, a very important sponsor. The rock band Emory, I, I don't know what they sound like, but they pay us a bunch of money for this ad spot. They have a tour. It's going to be in the West Coast, and they're with a band that I do love called 68. And if you know who 68 is, they're a terrific band. It's a two-piece band, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's Josh Scoggin, who was from the Chariot and from Norma Jean before that. And I think it's going to make this tour really special. But it'll be on the West Coast. It starts in Seattle in June, right around the 1st of June. So go to emorymusic.com, get... Tickets for that, to see, Emory in 68, it's going to Portland, Sacramento, um, Orange County, well, Southern California there, Sacramento, I said, uh, San Diego, Phoenix area, and even El Paso, Texas. I think I didn't leave out any markets there, but those tickets are emorymusic.com, they're already rolling. Those tickets are going, and some of them will be sold out before you know it, so I would not uh, sleep on it, I would get right to it. It's going to be a fun, fun night. We do a VIP event where we do an acoustic set and talk, and uh, do pictures and take some questions and stuff like that. And it's only fifteen dollars more than the general admission for that add-on. You get in early and all that. And we're going to do everything we can to make the shows real nice. We got the rest of the. We got a couple more bands that are going to be on it that sound like they're going to be terrific. So I think it'll be a wonderful experience. So get your babysitters, make get your nights off, figure it out, and come see Emory in June on the West Coast, and then we'll announce some other dates for later in the year, and we'll get everywhere, but West Coast Matt, this that's time.
0: that's one thing you never told your fans back in 2006, get your babysitters ready. <laughs> yeah, I know,
2: I know, get your babysitters ready. Work out your joints, do some stretching before you come to the show, I would recommend. Get some extra sleep the night
0: before. Mm -hmm. Get a little
2: extra sleep. Hydrate. You want to hydrate on that. Um, And, you know, if you're going to really bust out the old school mosh moves when 68 plays, I I recommend some heavy stretching maybe a week in advance. You start warming up in front of the mirror with your uh, hardcore moves. You can put a bandana on and get in the pit and really do it. If you're in your mid-30s, you really have to take that carefully. You have to be 100%. Serious, I was thinking
1: man. if we keep going, like, because I'll be, you know, 10 years from now, I'll be 52. I was thinking, is there a chance Emory will play, but it'll just be people? They won't be able to mosh Where they'll just, like, be doing yoga. <laughs> 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 yoga poses instead of just like slow yoga poses that help <laughs> them stay alive. And calm them down. Like that's what is the future for us, for sure.
2: That's hilarious. So it's like a, instead of the windmill sideways kick, whatever. It's just this downward dog, downward dog thing you do during the during the <laughs> acoustic part of the set. That's really meditative. <laughs> that is hilarious. That could be very cool. So uh, Joey asked me again said he had some which is very, very funny, but I, I do like, I, I love this. Uh, it's not about science talk, but Joey has asked me even more questions about evolution, even after we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I do want to say... You are his only science friend. I know. Everyone else is 100% <laughs> creation
1: creationist.
0: Non-science. Uh, not not science no, science no, no. is
1: evil and sinful
0: and bad. But in all It's so funny, the, 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 the shit that I have to put up from you guys for being interested in science. I've always been interested in science. I'm just not smart with it, so no, get on no, with the I'm not making fun of you. Shut up. I'm Toby. not making fun
2: of you. I'm saying that it's very cool when somebody asks a question. I don't care what it's about. I don't care if they ask me, but if, like you can tell with your kids or a person when they ask a genuine question about something that is like a concept or a theoretical thing, that yeah. you can tell when they're ready to like learn or be open about it. And so, yeah, people talk about evolution or science, all this stuff forever, but very rarely do you get in a faith context or a science context or a worldview or political when you hear a person kind of exposed to you that they're, huh, I know I used to think this way and now I have these curiosities. Joey's my hero for that. If he's doing that I mean, that's just what we're not seeing enough people do. So I'm not out to make fun of Joey. And I find it amazing that somebody like him at this stage in his life could actually be going, well, wait a second. How does evolution work here or there? And I don't know what his questions are, but he said he had some. So yeah. I thought thought that was Well, my, my question about.
0: is, yeah, my question is we sent my uh, ragdoll cat, who is, a, like I said, a special breed. We sent her to mate with a an, uh, a purebred ragdoll so we could have kittens and and all of that. Well, the woman that's breeding she sent footage of our pet who we've had for a year so we miss her and she, uh it was really good news because pretty much for the last month or so she has resisted the male which which can be expected even though the cat is instinctively horny. She it resists the male. But the lady texted us and said, good news, your cat just made it. And she sent a video, and Inga, our cat, was flipping around. So she's rolling on the floor frantically to the point where she's banging her head up against the dresser, uh, just rolling all over the place. And the woman says, I don't know if you know this about cats, but they have induced ovulation. And so... That's what she's doing right now is she is trying to ovulate. And so the more, <laughs> the more that I know about evolution, it, it, in my opinion, and I realize this is sh- probably short-sightedness on my part, but I don't know how you can explain evolution getting to that point without God given that Inga is not an intelligent creature. She does not have intelligence. She does not have reasoning. She, she does not do logic. So how did the evolutionary process bring her to a point where she knows to roll around to induce her ovulation with, without God putting that instinct in her?
1: It'd That's be so question. amazing
0: if our wives did that too before we had an
1: induced like, They would just ram themselves against the wall and <laughs> do circles
2: on the floor It'd be and nice hippie to dance. Have a signal. Yeah, a green light would be nice. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, is, is your question then, if I had to boil it down, something about how do instincts
0: evolve? Though? More like a yeah, super interesting cat I'm just sex. saying. Yeah, I'm just saying that that, that sort of instinctive act. I don't understand. Well, yeah, let's let's just talk about instinct in general. Mm-hmm. How does how does that evolve to that point? Like I, I don't understand. Like I I really I think that I have a handle on natural selection, for instance, mm-hmm. I, and I have recently learned how uh, genetic mutations are integral part of evu- evolution. I mm-hmm. just don't understand how evolution contributes to a cat eventually inducing her ev- her ovulation. That just is way beyond me, but it does make sense with a God.
2: Well, big question, I suppose. But the the way to think about it is, <coughs> I think the way that you should think about instinct or whatever is, it, it's just the, the, the premise is that it's kind of, the evolution is unguided. So if through random genetic, Mutations and var- just variations it doesn't have to i mean mm-hmm. mutation or not through genetic variety if a member of a species has a certain quality that is genetic like you're taller or you're this or that or you get hornier right couldn't horn couldn't just some people are naturally hornier hornier or some people not people animals and stuff like that and, and it's probably not developed all the way in cats it's something that was even in the the ancestor to cats maybe even simpler and simpler forms but Something like the sexual stuff is actually some of the easier stuff because animals that are putting out more sexual signals of fertility are much more likely to uh, reproduce, right? That's where it fundamentally comes from. So if there's a cat that bounces off all over the walls and is mega fertile, once you get to that point, it's like, wow, that's the cat that's going to reproduce, not the one that has a less uh, obvious signaling when they are ovulating so ovulating was happening anyway and i'm just making this up of course but this is the way it would work is that the cats that had the more obnoxious sex drive or physical signals that came along with their ovulation were more likely to reproduce and therefore the gene pool is is now going to be more full of those types of creatures so you can say instinct, but instinct almost implies that they know or are thinking about it in the way that you're saying it, and they're not aware
0: of it. It's just like— That's what I'm saying. They don't have logic. They don't have intelligence. Right. They aren't making a decision. So I don't understand instinct outside of, well, do of you, God, but I well, recognize that. But you have
2: instinct, right? And it doesn't have to all be programmed. I mean, you know when you're horny, you act different? Right? Sure. I mean, you just do, and the more the, if the way that you act when you're, and that's based on hormones, so the creatures that had these hormones that made them express sexual activity and behavior and signaling more effectively were the ones that were left to reproduce. Does that make sense? So, so it just so incrementally m- increases. Like, hey, that cat's a little wild. She looks like she's in the mood. You know, the other cat recognizes it, and then their offspring even more so. And then, you know, through what other variation and mutations, you, you know, the cats that are way more sexually active or crazy in that regard are going to be the ones that exist and propagate their yeah. genes. And go I forward. drew a
1: picture of Joey's cat for anybody watching the video. <laughs> it says, "It says Joey's cat," and it's going, "Oh." Oh, did your cat make any sexy noises, Joey, after it got laid? Uh, I don't know. But uh, what uh, I'm saying feel, is, did you is, feel dirty like when she was dancing and all that? So you knew she had sex, and like, did it make you feel weird, like your you know pent up, like conservative background? Like you just no, saw, I, you're looking I, at a female rolling around on the ground that had just gotten laid.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't feel dirty. Priscilla you filmed feels it. like we have done... <laughs> you filmed it and put it on Facebook. <laughs> Priscilla actually feels like we have done our cat wrong. Like we put her in a situation to get raped. I'm like, they're cats. That's what they do Lord. all the time. That is
2: very funny. But just think about any instinct that an animal or a human has. Is probably a thing that's generated through some chemistry in your brain and hormones, right? Like a combination of certain... Hormones and serotonin and testosterone and whatever the different things are that your body has the ability to produce, a certain combination of them is going to produce a certain behavior in you, right? Yeah. Or an yeah. animal, and then whatever, if it's advantageous, then it'll propagate. And if it it leads to the opposite, if it's not advantageous, then that creature won't reproduce, and the gene pool is won't have. your hand in your pants right now? What? What? Are your, what is your hand
1: doing right now? you I don't know you. Your nethers are showing, and looks like your hand's scratching your your part as we're talking about cat sex. Mm-mm. It it blows me away that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Joey's female cat getting laid caused him to think about evolution in ways he's never had yeah, in his right.
2: life. He, he stumbled into the cosmos it opened and opened the this door cat to science can. for him. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's, That's just amazing. not true, but go ahead. Does that Thank did any jokes. ramblings that I'm and making up there help at all or no?
0: No, I I'll think that, I think that I definitely makes it. sense if if you think about the cat feeling something that makes her roll around.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you shoot the cat full of adrenaline, it'll go crazy, right? like and yeah. there's a hormone there's a gland so, that secretes so, adrenaline and whatever, whatever the i don't know the chemical basis of what you you're scoop, talking about you scoop but the cat matter. food
1: and her mouth starts watering like pavlov thing or something yeah they're not right? aware mm-hmm. of it there's no yeah.
2: thought to it and it's accidental you know that it got that it got that way and that's the part right. that's really hard for people to understand that there's 10 million other uh genetic changes and genotypes and phenotypes that cats had that didn't work out and they those they died. They went away. They didn't reproduce and they're not here anymore. But the one thing that wound up being an advantage that happened on accident sticks around. And then multiply that times a billion years and stuff's fabulous. Anyway, enough of that. We'll do another We'll do more on it, but thanks for thinking of it. And thanks for asking me a question, but yeah. I don't think I answered it that well. Um, okay. We've got a good guest today. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about some Well, actually, Adam from Tooth & Nail is going to tell you about some stuff they got going on there that is very good, and we'll be right back with Ray Harkins.
3: Hey, everybody. My name is Adam, and I work over at Tooth & Nail. (laughs) And one of my favorite things, seriously, in my life is just getting to ride around in cars with buddies and show each other new music, new songs, learn about new bands, and especially introduce people to new bands. And I kind of feel like that's, in a lot of ways, my job at Tooth & Nail, is getting to tell a lot of people about bands that I think are great. So we're going to put a big Spotify playlist up that I hope that you'll go check out. We have a bunch of new, fairly new, bands on Tooth & Nail with a lot of different genres that I think you will love. And I'm just going to give you a big list now, but go over and check them out. Off-Road Minivan. Loyal's. Hearts Like Lions
4: to get this road,
3: get this Civilian
4: The of the end
3: The only thing that I've ever been a day me. Tyson Motzenbacher so- are the city six new bands guarantee you haven't heard of all of them go check them out go to the label page and just listen through the playlist you'll for sure find something you love
2: ray is a what we call a friend of the show here? Ray oh, is. Yeah. Or you tell you what? I suppose we could say colleague. How about colleague, Ray? Colleague, are friend, of co- ours, <laughs> <laughs> friend oh, outside are, the podcast.
5: Yeah, we are absolutely. We are human beings that are friends. We are friends over the internet. We are. Uh, yeah, but I, I like friend of the show. It and we've been we've
2: been in what what we get to talk about today is something kind of interesting. Is more so that you are a music guy. Now people should know that you were previously at PETA. So that's stuff that we've run into and dealt with before and known about for years because they do a lot of stuff in music and touring. And then you're a podcast guy. Hundred words or less is your podcast. It's the first podcast I was ever a guest on, to be honest. Um, And then you started working for Midroll, the podcasting company. So, but and then, but way all the way back, you were in a rock band, a hardcore. I don't know what scene, we'll talk about that, but you were in a band called Taken even bef- back before Emory was a band. So we're colleagues on multiple levels, and today we get to talk about your music careers back on, huh? Uh, absolutely, yeah.
5: So basically, you're just saying thank you for me putting you on your path. Put you put me know, on the you map. didn't even know me. <laughs>
2: Well, you and p- so no. I, well, no. Welcome. Yeah, sorry. Welcome. I'm not trying to talk over you, but I I do credit you for stuff like that because you've been podcasting longer than I have. You've been playing rock music longer than I have, and you've been doing podcasting with other stuff professionally. I mean, you know, you're you're one of those guys that is. A early adopter, you're on the front of trends. You're somebody that does stuff old school. And what I always respect about you is you're always doing things before they are, you know, big or commercially viable. Is maybe a way to, to look at that. I don't think it's about money. It's certainly not about money with you. You just do kind of cool things and do them earlier than other people. The only knock we, of course, have against you is that whole straight edge thing. That's kind of bullshit. But
5: whatever. No, it's it's the word. <laughs> I, and I, I I didn't I invented straight edge too. So it was uh, you know. <laughs> It's completely, you, it's completely understandable. You don't even get royalties from it, do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't get, I don't get royalties for that. And actually, I also invented Christianity as well. You did that, like the American like, form of it. You did. You
1: where did. do you find the time for all right. the, your endeavors?
5: Good <laughs> lord! It just, it's one of those things. Like I, you know, I just had a, a gift from God. Like me and Moses hanging out. No, no she, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I appreciate the kind words that you say. I think it is one of those things where. Um, no matter like what you're doing, as long as that the core of it, you're just like, Oh, like I'm having fun and I'm pursuing the things that I care about. You don't, you know, you just look at it as a continuum where it's like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Taken existed a couple years before Emory did. But like, when you guys put out your first record, I was like, Oh, that's, that's great. Like, I, I'm glad that other bands are doing the, you know, melodic ish hardcore thing uh as well even though you guys were terrible but it's uh no just kidding just kidding.
2: Well, well tell us about taken let's let's get catch people up to speed because a lot of the people that got in here probably got into music after taken had already broken well, up.
1: and that's what i was going to say too i was I was uh, doing a little research for the show and you you're right you you were before everybody like after you there, there's like a pop band that called themselves taken there's obviously the movie the trilogy or whatever it is like like people stole your name like you were before everything i mean I, I can't even believe y'all had electricity when you were you started this band. When when did Taking start? Yeah, we were rubbing sticks together to like have have enough energy to practice. <laughs> he used animal skins <laughs> to play drums.
5: <laughs> yeah, exact. Yeah, yeah. We we use tribal instruments, but yeah, I mean, we started in ninety, technically ninety seven. Um, basically ninety seven to two thousand four was our most kind of active time and, you know, playing shows and touring, we, you know, we came from like the Orange County hardcore scene. And when that started to kind of explode in the early two thousands with bands like, you know, bleeding through Throwdown, 18 visions, like, you know, that's when kind of the national spotlight started to come on our particular scene. And we just were never, you know, we were more akin to what Emery was doing than any of those bands. Cause they were all extremely heavy, um, you know, very stylized, <laughs> very, uh, Uh, aesthetically had a vision, whereas like, you know, we didn't, we were just kind of this weird melodic hardcore thing. And not to say that like, you know, painting some picture of like, oh, we were the, we were the little redheaded stepchild of the scene. Like, you know, we didn't feel like that, but we just knew sonically, we didn't make any sense with the bands that existed in our scene. And so we had to kind of look elsewhere. Um, There's bands like Alexis on Fire and This Day Forward that we started to become friends with once we toured, where it was like, oh yeah, you guys like have Mm -hmm. similar styles going on. Yeah. And I do. And I I look at like where sort of melodic hardcore is now. And the only thing that I get, uh, I I guess jealous of is the fact of like, God damn it. I wish that these bands were around so we could have toured with them. Like we could have, we could have had good shows (laughs) as opposed to like, I guess we'll go on tour with darkest hour. Who's a great band, but like, you know, we're not metal Mm and we're not impressing the long hairs, right? Yeah.
2: The best tour we ever did, as far as like looking good, though, to I mean, this is kind of counter your point, so apologize for that. But we did a tour with 18 Visions, it was one of our first tours, like, probably our third or fourth tour, and it was just so awesome. But that, but see, here's the thing about it is it's because we were Emory's just a lucky band, is the way I really like to think about it. I think we're a good band, all that, whatever. We we're very lucky. We were doing this singy, screamy thing that we were convinced and told by everybody is not good, don't do it, we don't like it. And we go, yeah, but we like it. If we can get 30 fans, it'll be good. Then, at some point around 2004 or five, right after taking quit, the benefits started, you know, young young people and kids and, and girls in high school started liking screaming somehow. And so it hit right at the right time for us. And we were able to go out with 18 Visions who should have just been able to dominate and make us look bad and misery signals. And it was just right at the time where we were bringing a bunch of new people to them that were just kids and and stuff on top of the hardcore scene. And I just feel very fortunate about that because you were doing the screamy, singy thing when you couldn't fit with the hardcore bands and there weren't any young new people that were big fans of that. It wasn't a big scene. So it was very fortunate for us. And you, you gave up it, right? Just the wrong time there on taking. Well, you should have held out another year. <laughs> well, That's yeah, I mean, my point. Yeah, li- life definitely gets in the way. And that's what, what
5: caused us to not play. It wasn't like some dramatic breakup. I think the thing, you know, honestly, why a band like 18 Visions would be interested in taking you guys on tour, because, you know, at that time, obviously Tooth and Nail and Solid State were introducing kids who were not allowed to listen to a certain style of music And then you guys Uh kind of fit that role. And so it's like 18 visions looks at like, dude, if we're going to get like a hundred Christian kids that have never seen a band like 18 visions or misery signals before, that's exciting. And so like not saying that you guys didn't bring any value beyond those kids in the Mm -hmm. room or whatever, but there definitely was something interesting around that time. Cause I remember taken was, I mean, I, myself am Christian. Our drummer was Christian. None of the other guys were Christian, but we played shows with like you know Notice and Victim, Born Blind. Do you guys remember that band?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah,
5: label label mates with you guys, but like just a San, just a San Diego hardcore <laughs> band. But I remember we were always kind of in that stew of those bands, just because people were like, oh yeah, like raised Christian, but like you know not none of the rest. Of, like there's not a, a direct yeah. connectivity, but we would play shows with those bands, and I know you guys have experienced this where people would go to the merch table afterwards and like ask me to like look at the lyrics. And I was like, huh? And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you know, are are you Christian? I was like, well, yeah, I am. But like, you know, we're not a Christian band or whatever. But like, it was that time where people were really like, right. and people would straight up be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to buy your CD because you're not self-identified Christian band. And I was like, what? Like, that's a thing that you care?
1: Really? Oh, OK. Well, talk to you later, I guess. That, that's probably one of the most frustrating things that ever happened uh, during all the years we tour, is those folks that would come up. It's usually a, a very young, you know, I would say 17, 18 year old white kid who is on fire for Jesus and thinks that you have to be too, or else you are a distraction from his goals of, you know, bringing glory to God or something like that. And it's so wrong. We got, I mean, I just, I got into discussions with so many kids just pushing back on like, what are you doing right now? Like, why are you, uh, what, what why do you have to clarify this thing when you we're talking about music here? like you know I mean, do you like the music? Let's start there okay, you do okay well then where where do we go from here? Are you saying you you like the music but it's it's dangerous or bad or whatever if you're really thinking these things, why are you even here? Why are you taking the chance of being? Well, at How about show? this? It's always so Let me make a
2: parallel that's a very negative one to draw the point of how that feels for those people, the music is secondary. And it's a way to find other people to validate yeah. the big thing. So the opposite of it, yep. not the opposite, but another way to look at it is, you know how they have white power bands? Oh, of course, they, they, yeah. They, they're about music, I guess. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they care about their guitar chords. But those are things where people can get together to rally and then give each other an elbow and a nod and say, but we know what's really important, right? And that's right. what Christian music, that's that mentality. It's like, yeah, you play the guitar, you do the screaming, but you know, we know what this is really about, right? And it's it's you know saving souls or whatever that that thing and trying to be validated and be, belong and it's some impulse like that but it's very annoying it repeats itself all the time and Ray it still happens today my friend you know I, consider yourself lucky but it still <laughs> it still happens today I thought it was bizarre in two thousand four and it still still happens today <laughs> I know I mean no matter no matter what that's always going to exist but I think that was the the
5: reason that that time was so um, I, I guess interesting to watch evolve was because you had these kind of, you know, the rise of essentially two parallel music scenes where it was like, you know, the independent, you know, heavy, aggressive music scene. And then you had the heavy independent Christian music scene that, you know, it obviously was starting to bubble in the late nineties, but really broke open in the early two thousands. And then how people navigated that, where it's like, you know, the kids were having to reckon with the fact that it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I really liked focal point and strong arm. And like, so now I'm following down this line, but there's this other band that sounds exactly like focal point that isn't Christian, but I like them. Am I allowed Mm -hmm. to? And so like kids really had to kind of wrestle around with that. And I just saw that, you know, across the board. Um, and especially too, because at that time you were playing such unconventional venues and many times you showed up at a place and it was like, oh, so this is connected to a church. And like, Oh, oh, so we're gonna have a prayer circle before. And, like, you know, I can't tell you how uncomfortable that is for people who aren't Christian to be like, hey, you gotta oh do a, gosh. yeah, you gotta do a prayer circle before. And people are just like, the hell i'm not like that's i didn't sign up i just wanted to play a show and it's like yeah
2: if if he really gets crazy they want to do it in between song seven and eight of your set and then you have to say that's that's too far i'll come here and play for your money yes but you can't interrupt the set you do your prayer after
0: matt and toby you you guys told me that people would actually come up to friends of y'all's that you were on tour with and ask at their merch table are y'all Christians and when they said, "Ah, oh, no, we're not," they just turned around and walked away.
2: Yeah, like really tell- rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's the bad part. If you take a- so,
2: there's this weird thing, and I- I'd want to talk about something else, but. It is true. Like we when we were doing the 18 Visions tour and From Autumn to Ashes tour, we had to we didn't have to sign anything, but we had to agree to not push God from stage or talk about it. Like and we're like, fine, there's no big deal or, or and even at that time maybe we would have done that, but not that bad, but they were really worried about that. But still, it benefits those bands that we bring fans to their shows, but when we headline and then bring a band that nobody's ever heard of that's not Christian, they get treated like shit. Yeah. That's Shame on y'all Christians right. for doing that back in the day, or if you do it today. We they're our guests. We brought a band out. Of course, they're not Christian. We chose them for the music, or for whatever reason. And then you show up because you like. We chose us. them for the music. How strange right. of us, or how evil of us to right. think their music would be good. And on we tour. like them, but you're going to treat them like shit because they don't believe the way you believe. I mean, that's that's insane. But yes, all that too. But Ray, what do you make of? uh what do you make of this whole reunion phenomenon, the back together thing? I, I don't even, I mean, it's gotten so crazy that a band like you and Taken and you're coming back and it's, you're getting to play big shows and have real stuff. Is well, What do you make of all that? Well, it it's ha- amazing. It, I mean,
5: it—it it is fun. Once you started to see all of the nostalgia trips of every 10 year, 15 year anniversary of bands and records and stuff, um, you know, frankly, our records were never big enough to have any sort of impact where we could go be like, Oh, let's do a nationwide tour of this 15 year anniversary. And it's like, we just existed in a space that is like so comfortable for us to be like, Oh yeah, we're not a big band, but like the people that come to our shows, like really care about us. And like, that's sick. I'll, I'll take that. Like it can be a hundred yeah. people. It can be 30 people, but I think, and you guys can probably attest to this as well, it's not the, you know, the, the high highs that you reach within the band. It's the fact that like you actually leave a lasting impression, like, you know, whatever 16 year old kid tripped across, um, you know, the answer and feels connected to Emory still some 15 years later, like that's unbelievable. People should have moved on. They should have thrown out that record. They should have been,
2: you know, onto being an adult or whatever. Right. But- did you just confuse the answer with the question there? I, I, I did. I was trying, I was okay, trying no to, problem. I, I,
1: I do that. I do that. I, I don't know the name week. of Taken's album. About right? No big deal. i just clear okay. that up. But yeah. I,
2: actually uh, th- the
5: week's end was where was, was my record for you guys. So um, <laughs> okay. I don't even know why we would try to talk about a record that I just didn't like. So uh. <laughs> 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 yeah, the answer to the question irrelevant, but yeah, the fact that it, it, it yeah. had that sort of impact. Cause I think so many, in, so many bands, We've all seen fall into that category of just like, oh, dude. So, what do you think about Band A? Uh, oh, like yeah, they're all right, and it's like but they're all right. Like you're not. That's not even inspiring a reaction, good or negative. And so, like, I always put Taken in that camp of like people either got us and they were like, yo, Taken, great, or like, yo, Taken, terrible, awful, bad. Can't I cannot mm-hmm. stand them? And it's like, hey, that's a better place to be in than just like completely, you know, vanilla and forgettable.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, so the, you got a, a whole new album now? What's the details on that? I want to talk about what it's about, and that that part I know a little bit about. It's quite interesting. I wanted to share. I want you to share. But tell us the details on the album and stuff first. Yeah, and,
5: absolutely. Yeah, it's an, it's an EP that comes out on uh, April 27th on Other People Records, which is... Uh, a, a friend's label, uh, the singer of the band Stick to Your Guns and the guitarist of a band called Stray from the Path who are both you know really, really talented hardcore bands, uh, they put out records and they put out records that don't sound anything like the bands that they play in. It's like all sort of folk, acoustic-y indie rock stuff and then there's Taken, <laughs> which is cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're putting that out because it's a five-song EP and uh, yeah, that's basically, I again, going back to the idea that I didn't want to really play any shows or do anything that, uh, you know, When di- we didn't have any new music. We didn't have a reason to exist it, rather than just playing, you know, Hey, here's a 15 year old song that I wrote in my bedroom when I was 17 and I barely could write. Like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. It's like, how about something mm-hmm. that's a little more relevant to what's happening in all of our lives currently you know so that's what's happening so with i feel like a,
2: a douchebag podcaster asking you well tell us what it's about i know what it's about everybody but hey, ray that's what's, called? what's the new album about it sounds like a canned question but i find it interesting
5: yeah no I, i'm uh, this interview is pretty much over because that was a terrible question no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you, te- you teed it up appropriately uh yeah the whole ep was basically it, not basically it is about my uh my wife was diagnosed with cancer in november of 2016 and so the whole EP is about my emotions around that, and kind of the the steps that I took. So each song is basically a, a kind of a snapshot of what I was feeling, you know, at the very beginning. What I was feeling as I was watching, you know, poison be injected into her veins. And I, I I'm I'm saying this very dramatically, but it's like you know I really want to try to paint a picture of. What it is that people go through when they are watching someone Mm -hmm. they love, you know, battle cancer and go through all these horrible things. And so each song is kind of a snapshot of those particular emotions and, you know, the positives and negatives and all that kind of is mixed up within that. Um, And so it was weird because basically I had I had an entire set of lyrics for this EP and then once, uh, you know, my world changed and that cancer diagnosis came through, I basically threw those lyrics out. Cause I was like, dude, this is irre- like, what am I singing about? Mm-hmm. This is, doesn't even mean anything to me anymore. So I threw yeah. that away. And then basically I, I was starting to track the record in like about January or February of 2017. And so I had about two months or so to kind of wrap my head around how I wanted to tackle this. And so, and I, I, I hate to use the words like, you know, because everybody hears the word concept record and like wants to jump off a you know 30-foot building because that's awful. Mm-hmm. No one likes that idea. But I was like, I can't not center this around that and make this kind of the linchpin of conversation. Um, but it is trying to bridge this gap between what people experience, like ultimately anyone that's experienced loss can kind of interact with this EP, either musically or lyrically and be kind of like, Oh yeah, like I, I know what either he's talking about, or I know that sort of feeling and that moment. Um, and that's what I really kind of tried to approach lyrically, but I'd never been in a position where I was like, all right, cool. I'm done. Whoa. whoa, oh, oh crap. I guess not. I'm just going to go and throw all those things out and kind of figure mm-hmm. it out. So, but uh, yeah, so that was what the whole, that's what the whole EP is about.
2: Yeah, I've been real sorry to hear about all that. I've been watching yeah. and following you on Instagram. Me too. And everything. No, I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I mean, to, before
5: you launch into something else real quick, I just, the, the no, thing... No, I'm
2: going to stay in here. We're going to talk about this. I,
5: I, but yeah. I, the thing, like you guys saying that, I really appreciate. But the thing that really, really got me choked up throughout this whole process um, wasn't so much like, I mean, of course, watching, you know, my wife go through cancer treatment and the fact that it's like, oh yeah, like I have a, you know, at the time he was a five-year-old son, now he's six. And, you know, it's like, wow, he, you know, I got to tell him that his mom may die. I, I didn't he, dog it. Yeah. I didn't use those terms. Cause like, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's be incredibly insensitive of me, but just having all those things kind of go through my head, But then um, also to be able to, um, you know, kind of focus all of my energy on something like this to be like, all right, good or bad, however this comes out, this will be, you know, a relative snapshot. But anyways, the, the point I was trying to make was the fact that, all this stuff that we do within this independent music scene, you know, feels frivolous, like, you know, touring and like, you know, Mm -hmm. interacting with people like, yeah, it's cool. It feels good. And like, it's given us, you know, this backbone that we've made a lot of business decisions off of DIY principles, all that. But like the amount of people that reached out either social media, texting or people, you know, like, like you guys that were just like, oh yeah, we're friends with Ray, but like, you know, I I don't want to bug him. Like, I don't want to text him, but like that feeling of connectivity, people reaching out and saying, I'm so sorry. You're going through this. Or even what you guys just said, like that is meaningful because sometimes mm-hmm. this music scene, like I said, feels very surface level. But the fact that I had people, it's like people I hadn't talked to in like 10 years being like, dude, I, I heard what you're going through and I'm so sorry. And that, that was where I was like,
0: Oh, oh okay.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: And that's yeah. where it all came. Cause honestly the only time that people really hear sort of, you know, nice stuff is like at a funeral. You know, to like hear that support kind of, and most people don't even know my wife, because it's not like she's involved in music and, you know, a public figure or anything. Um, And so anyways, but that, that was really, so you guys saying that and kind of the, the, the emotion that I felt in people reaching out was very, uh, yeah, that just was super powerful.
1: It, it, it's really interesting to I me, mean, Ray, you probably don't know this. My wife had cancer as well. It's been three or four years ago now, and she's, you know, checkups for the rest of her life and all that Toby's stuff. Toby's quite a one-upper, um, Ray. Sorry. No, it's okay, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a one-upper. Uh, it, and one of the things you said is uh, stands out to me because you're right. When something like that happens, it makes everything like you, you do look at your lyrics. Like now I have not been brave enough to uh, like, I've had, I had dreams before Jess had cancer about her having cancer. And I've written about those dreams, but since she's had cancer, it's been very hard for me to put my feelings and emotions and, you know, pen to paper. Like I have not been able to do that. So that one, that'll be, you know, a little cathartic for me to hear the taken EP, but two, it is, you're right. Like it, it changed me. A lie. It made us, I, I don't know if you experienced this or not. I think it made Jess and I a little bit harder when, you know, you always hear about cancer. Or you always hear about bad stuff, but I mean, our lives are, are pretty good. We live in America one. And so it's, it's you know, I was thinking about the day I've never once not had running water Yeah. or so, you know, like or just something so simple that like, I don't know why I was just walking through the house today. And I just thought of like two or three things that I just completely take for granted. And when something like that happens, when you go, Oh, wait a minute, this is the moment where, Oh, I am an adult and i am a husband and i am a dad holy shit and then it, in that moment you're right like when you look at, at some of the things you've done or written about or whatever you're like maybe that is frivolous whoa this is oh this is the real uh the real thing here and what is, what does this mean so that that will be a little bit uh good for me to to hear that cuz like i said I, I haven't been able to cross that barrier yet i don't know a little bit of me feels uh i, I did did you feel at all worried that you wouldn't do justice to the story or you know like you I'm sure with your lyrics you wanted to honor your wife's journey and all through all this too right I, Honestly no <laughs> I yeah really? I,
5: mean, I I really I mean I of course like as this started to come together um you know I told her what I planned on doing but um you know she really like sh- she was like you know you need to do what you need to do um and, and this is going to sound like you know extremely uh, well, I, I don't know if I call it morbid, but basically, I was like, the, even though this is happening to me, this isn't happening to me. Like, I am good. I am going to be yeah. okay. Our son will be okay because I will take care of him. I am here. <sighs> you, you, like, you know, your only job right now is to do everything you possibly can to make yourself feel better. Um, whatever decision you make, whatever thing you decide to do, I am there to support you. If you're like, yo, I don't want to do chemo and I want to die. That is, you know, I, I of course will have a discussion with you about that, but I am not, oh my gosh, I am not going to stand in your way from that perspective. Cause at, at the end of the day, we all need to be, you know, resting on the fact that like we have made our own decisions. Cause like I always, you know, I'm sure all of you guys have experienced this. Like when a woman is pregnant, everybody has an opinion about something. Oh, you need to rub crap on yeah. your thing to do this thing. And like, right. <laughs> and that honestly, <laughs> that's the same way. And I'm sure you can speak to this, Toby, where, people, you know, will be like, okay, like don't do chemo, do this natural thing. Don't do this, but do that. And like, I, I just told her, I was like, tune out all that noise, listen to your doctor, listen to your heart, listen to whatever tells you to kind of make those steps. Um, and that's the decision you need to make. You know, that's, that's the most important guide you need to have throughout all of this. And so as I was kind of, you know, encouraging her to do that, I I felt you know uh, yes I needed to honor you know I, I wasn't going to you know bury her within my lyrics where it's like oh okay like you know she's dead I need to you know think about what my life's gonna be like after that because that is a literal thought that I had but I needed wow. to, yeah I because it, you you know that's the, the human uh, mind goes to the most extreme circumstances whatever they're put in because I'm like I need to be ready yeah for that, you know and not everybody has wow. that personality but that's definitely what I did where it's just like, okay, well, how will my life look without her in there? But to your back to your original question of how I was trying to express myself within this was very focused on just like my own emotions of like, all right, this is what it felt like when it first happened. And this is what, uh, you know, it felt like as I was watching her, you know, go through chemotherapy and just like, again, kind of the positive and negatives that come of this, because like anytime a person is confronted with tragedy or suffering if you are able to like get anything from it, it's the fact that like you will hopefully come out a stronger person. And like, you know, the fact that like, you know, spoiler alert, like my wife, like your wife is doing well now. She's been clear for a year and some odd months. And like, we look at like, as weird as it sounds, we look at cancer as being like one of the best things that happened to us. Of course we wouldn't wish it on anybody, you know, but Mm, the fact that we went through that and the fact that we feel like we are stronger as a couple is like, And then as a family, and then the fact that like this brought her closer, like she never had a spiritual relationship with God. And the fact that like this sort of come to Jesus moment came to her and she was like, Oh yeah. Like actually I like church. And like now she has found a group of people, like all these positive things have come from the fact that like, Hey, you may die. And she's like, okay, well how about, how about I live my life like this now? And it's like, Oh my God, I could have never, I know. I could have never pushed her towards like going to church or anything like that because of course people will arrive there at their own conclusions. But, um, yeah, so it's, it was a very, very big stew of emotions that I was trying to distill down. But at the end of the day, I was just like, this is my expression of it. Um, and not really, you know, I didn't like, I didn't run the lyrics by her. Like she, I think she's read three of the lyrics of the of the five songs. Like she, she's just kind of like, do your thing. I was like, okay,
1: I will. (laughs) I, uh, did, what did the band say when you were like, Hey, this whole record is going to be about my wife dying. (laughs) No, (laughs) Hey, we're back together. Let's talk about death. (laughs) No, it was honestly, I was really
5: nervous about it because it was like we had, um, you know, I mean, fortunately taken existed in the world of like, you know, I wasn't singing about like, you know, straight edge and veganism. And all of a sudden I was like, Hey, I want to talk about emotions. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like I was, I was in a position where it, it felt comfortable to talk about, you know, emotions and the human experience. So, you know, when I kind of laid it out to the guys, I was like, you know, listen, like, this is what I'm going through. I would feel really weird. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, the guys in the band are are my friends and some of my closest friends. So if they were like, Oh, Hey, dumb, dumb, what are you going to sing about your wife having cancer? Oh, woe is me. Like, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to react like that. But I, but right. to your point, I was nervous about kind of the way that, it was going to be, um, you know, not only uh, portrayed whatever to, you know, people in the general public of like, oh yeah, this guy's like, you know, mining his own experiences for, you know, art or whatever. And like trying to, you know, make it sensationalistic. And I was like, that's, you know, that's really not the case of what I personally was trying to go for. It was just the literal expression of what I was going through, but I was nervous to talk talk to it about the band and then also figure out what I was going to do with this whole set of lyrics um, and work with like the producer that we worked with. And trying to like bring this to life. But, um, yeah, it was, I can understand why you are in the position of like, I don't know how to actually like express this because now, you know, it's, you know, even though it's a part of your life, it's a little more in the rear view. Whereas when I was writing the lyrics, like I was in the middle of it, you know? So like, maybe it was a timing aspect for you where it's like, if you, if you were in that position, you might've felt more, um, I don't know, reckless, like you, you felt more like, whatever, dude, like I got to put this
1: down, you know? Yeah. Mine was uh, just, I mean, when, when I was going through it, I could not accept it. And like you said, I wasn't going through it. Th- that, like the way you said that was exactly, I hadn't heard somebody put it that way, but you're exactly right. Like I was going through it and my wife, but I was going to be okay. And my, kids were going to be okay. And, uh, but like Jess was scared and nervous and there's this thing inside her body that, you know, could, could potentially kill her if not addressed or whatever it might be. And I was like, well, this is so crazy. And I just kept saying, oh, well, it's going to be fine. It's going to be. And I kept telling myself that and I I couldn't be, I I did not allow myself for a while to be vulnerable until Jess had to finally tell me like, listen, I have cancer. You have to understand no matter what you're saying, you're not, you know, we need to be here and be present in it. And that was a changing point for me. Were you being like I, denying I always, of it,
2: Toby? Like, like, oh, don't, yeah, 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 no, I, you're
1: I, just trying to diminish the cancer to make everybody well, feel better. Well, Jess had uh, stage zero breast cancer, so in my mind zero means nothing. Well, okay, we're going to be okay. You know, what I mean, this is gonna, in, in my mm-hmm. mind. I was like, oh, great news! It's so awesome. Little did I realize it doesn't matter. My wife is saying I have. They're telling me I have cancer. and She had to have a double mastectomy. I mean, it's serious. Sir, all of this stuff, serious life-changing events that you know we're still processing. And so, but I told my, I tried to be, I thought I was being strong saying, okay, it's going to be okay. It's just zero, this, 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 and this. And what I was doing was not allowing her to, uh, I I wasn't authenticating what she was going through. So it's almost like, Hey, there's not a big deal, babe. It's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Instead of going, this is serious and this is real and I have to acknowledge it. And I have to have those thoughts. The the craziest thing in the world is, um, we we were blessed to have that diagnosis. It could have been way worse. But you're right. There's almost no way when I and I always thought you would think about death when you're 80 yeah, right. or so, you know, okay, well, it's pretty bad. you know, when you're, you know, in your 30s and you're like, "Oh, I had to there's no way your brain. You're right. You, we're we're just wired that way to think, "Oh, what what if? What if it this is it? What is what does this look like? And what if I, I am still here with with three kids or uh you know, just it gets worse or all all you know, your mind goes to the worst spots. And I was trying to avoid that because I thought it would mean I was the rock and I was strong, and, I, and you know all that stuff, and instead, uh, you know, I, I, in the moment, that's why maybe I, I never did end up totally being vulnerable in that moment, writing lyrics about her, writing about my experience, just because I was so scared that if I, if I allowed it in, then I would feel weak and not strong, and I couldn't be there for her, which wasn't true. It almost pushed her away in a way, uh, not that I wasn't there for her, but pushed her, like it made her think he doesn't care sure. as much. You know, and I didn't, I yeah. didn't realize well,
5: that. Well, I think so it's it, one of those things like though. And I don't know whether, like, I mean, I, I guess I can thank God for um, the, I guess the kind of clarity that I went into this with. Cause I really did feel like I was kind of like hovering above this whole scenario, but like, I literally just viewed myself as a tool, whatever you need. If you need me to be the strong person, I can be, if you need me be, to be the person that's like, you know, cleaning up your vomit, like I'm here, whatever you need from me, I am here, you know? And I, I think that like, because of that sort of like disconnection that I had where I'm like, I, you know, i I'm living, but I'm feeling like I'm observing this whole situation. Um, you know, yeah. I, I guess it probably made it easier for me to exist in that where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I was like working through all this and like, there was nothing like I, I did everything within my power to make everything feel as like quote unquote normal as possible. Like mostly for, and I'm sure that you're the same way with your kids where you're just like, yo, I gotta like, you know, life, life goes on for them. Like they don't know the fullest extent of what is happening, but um, yeah. But I mean, no matter which way you slice it, how you kind of uh, approach it, whether you are being that supportive rock and like, uh, I'm not letting anything affect me. um, You know, it's just a matter of, of circumstances. And you never know how a person, especially on the flip side, you never know how a person's going to react when they get the news that like, Hey, you may die. And it's like, not many people, uh have that experience and you don't know how someone's gonna react. Like I joked around with her all the time. I was like, hey, if this like this happened was happening to me, like I would have already pieced out. I would have been like, yo, I'm dead. Like I, I can't, I I can't do this. Like you've you're 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 far stronger than I am. I mean women are are far stronger than men in general. But uh yeah. So it's like having watching someone confront that. And I'm sure you're the same way with your wife where it was just like God, dude, I thought I knew you, but like, holy crap. Like, I know you on such a different level now that I, it's, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend, you know?
1: Yeah. It's crazy. The lingering idea of death uh, or, uh, you know, bad news, whatever it might be, whatever somebody's going through it, you still have to try and keep going. You still got to be a a father or whatever you still got, And it's there. And like, that, that was weird. Like the tainted conversations, Jess and I have had since then, or you know, the the thing that's in the back, the looming thing that's back there is there, even in the joyous moments or whatever. It's like uh, your mind can go a little bit like something super funny your kid does, and you go, What if I don't get to see that next year, or something like that? Like, you're like, and it's just always there, and it it really is. It, It just nothing prepares you for it, it really doesn't. And, and I mean, like I said, we're blessed, Jess is healthy. Uh, it did change our lives, but, but, but it could have been way worse. And, uh, and it, it was really bad. I don't want to nope. diminish that, but it could have been way worse. You, you know, it could have been led to death or something like that. Same as you, but it's just, it's weird how you change. But anyway, so that, that, all that to get to, y'all got this EP coming out. Are y'all going to try to do any touring? You're going to try to, uh, Take do oh, anything yeah, with it. Dude, well, I mean, the the whole
5: reason that we put this together, besides you know the the, uh, the fact of creating music and creating a piece of art together, we got to go back to Japan, man. Got to play those fun shows in Japan. Nice,
1: nice. So, but yeah, we're
5: in the immediate <laughs> term. We're playing. We're doing a Chain Reaction headliner in May on May twelfth. Um, just because like we haven't played Chain Reaction in um, uh, quite some time, and that's kind of our home venue in the same way that you know that's where we played most of our headlining shows. So we're doing that, and then basically we're just going to kind of do spot dates here and there. We try to go to the Midwest at some point. Basically, not too dissimilar to what you guys do where you're just like, all right, we're going to go out for a week, maybe go out for a week and a half if it makes sense. Um, But ultimately, the crown jewel At the
2: end of all of it is like yo, we're gonna go to Japan again, and those shows are gonna be so much fun. (laughs) That sounds great. We've never been to Japan. It's the one place out of the country that I want to go that I ain't been, and I I don't think we got any fans. So drop, hand out some of our demos when you go. I would, I would disagree
5: wholeheartedly because for some reason, like the melodic hardcore, like it just, it's just they just lap it up with a spoon, like they just love. We missed the boat. I know you guys did. I mean, whatever. Put in a
2: word for us while you're over there. You know. We'll we'll get out of here, but this whole thing with the cancer stuff, I just got so many thoughts we don't have time for right now, but it's got a lot in me hearing y'all talk about that, and I appreciate both of it. It, It's so interesting thinking of from the lyrical point of view. I wonder with band, you know, like I don't think anybody doing this type of music that we called emo or whatever it was, where it was these super in-touch emotional lyrics that people were being very brutally honest about that was so attractive to us when we were in our early 20s and that's how that's a big linchpin of the scene and now you have people in their 30s and 40s who are these people these good lyricists the you know these great lyricists of this genre that we're in and now if these bands stick around or reunite in the 40s and 50s like <laughs> are they gonna have these powerful insights to like, di- like it's a di- yeah. it's a whole different thing about being brutally honest now. This stuff yeah. sounds fucking scary and deep to me. Like, are are, are is the is the brilliant lyricists are the are going to address these things? Are we gonna get that in this genre of music? Like that that's what makes me think of. That's like if so, I think we need it. I, I mean, no, it's a re- it's a really you know? valid point because I think like the It helped us in our twenties, didn't it? So
5: yeah, no, because I think I, it it is one of those things where like the the when I've played the, you know, trusted people who, you know, are friends and whatever the taken stuff, they were like, Oh, like you sound like an adult now. And I'm like, that's right. Like my scream is a little bit better because I know how to do it now. And like, you (laughs) you know, you're just more comfortable in your own skin as you get older. And I I do, I completely agree with you where it's like, you know, it it is uh, interesting when you have bands that are, you know, releasing new music and, you know, have existed for a long period of time that, you know, they, they, you feel like sometimes they're, you know, going back to the same well that they've gone to over and over. Right. And and we don't need that. No. Like, yeah, we had that time in the play, especially like, I mean, this is an easy target, but it's like, you know, you look at, you know, blink and it's like, I I mean, I love their fart and dick songs. Like they're great. And I love that band, but it's like, you know, when you, when you are, you know, ostensibly a, you know, late forties individual and you are just like, you know, just, just swearing in your songs and like, there's just nothing of value. And granted blink is a bad example because that's what they've always done. But yeah, you want, you want to feel like you're, you're growing as not only a lyricist, but yeah, it just, it gets to a spot where it's like, Oh, but we got to release a record that will please the fans Mm -hmm. of what we were doing forever ago. And it's like, Oh man, you don't need to.
2: Yeah, I mean, are we going to get, like, a Dave Bazan or, I don't know, Adam Lazara writing about their own fear of death as they approach late stages of life? Oh, my – that could be incredibly powerful if they do it with the same – if we – enter that you know that just could be incredibly powerful yeah you know that from that point of view of a mature person if they're willing to risk and be vulnerable and do the same thing in the updated context i that, i don't know it just occurred to me when y'all were talking but that would be good stuff i would think
5: well i would high i would highly encourage like this is not an easy listen but this is a so there's an artist named mount eerie he's like basically a you know solo sort of folk artist he released a record last year called a crow looked at me And basically it's about, so his wife died actually uh, of a rare disease. uh, And like, you know, his, uh, I want to say his daughter was like maybe two years old or something like that. It's a record that you listen to once, but you will be irrevocably changed after that because the way that, yeah, no, I know. I, like I said, (laughs) you you really have to be in the right state of mind in order to want to do this to yourself. But like just the, the actual expression of what he is putting down. I mean, it's a, you know, heartbreakingly beautiful record, but like, That's the sort of stuff where you listen to and like, you know, I listened to the record and I was just like, like, it makes you feel less alone, you know, when you're going through something Mm -hmm. like that. But it is, you really do want people of a larger stature that are capturing a lot of people being like, yo, like, can you dive into some real stuff here, man? Like, can we, can we talk about like how you, how you feel playing in front of kids who are 30 years younger than you? Like, how does that feel? Like, you know, it's weird.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ray, right. do you what totally. do you want people to do? Save you on Spotify early, or go to a certain website? What's the best thing?
5: Yeah, you can buy it directly from the uh, the record label website, otherpeoplerecords.com. dot um, But yeah, you, we're going to be on Spotify, Apple Music, all of the you know traditional retailers. So you will be able to find our stuff wherever.
2: What well, yeah. about today? What action can they take right now? And for first of all, can I play a song?
5: Of course, you can play a song. Yeah. I,
2: yeah. So give me a song. I will put it in and post, and we'll play a song. It will fade it in right now as I'm talking and we'll let it ride out of the interview but what action can people take right now while they're listening to this song uh, they, yes they can listen to the song it's called regret uh, you can find that mm-hmm. on any any uh, digital
5: music platform um, but uh yeah and we, our, our record if you are a fan of vinyl we have vinyl as well so we only have uh, pre-orders of uh, t-shirts and vinyl um, but yeah so other people records is the best place for it and also like you said save it on Spotify
2: Thank you for coming in and chatting awesome. with us today, as a colleague and friend.
5: It is my absolute pleasure. I enjoy you as human beings, and I enjoy hanging out with you. This doesn't even. This obviously doesn't feel like work. We can just do this for another couple hours if you guys want to.
2: <laughs> well, we'll drop you off here and wrap it. But thank you for this, Ray. We appreciate it very much, and we'll we'll catch up with you real soon. Of course, love you, dudes. Bye. See you, Ray. That was great. Thank you to Ray. Support taken. Uh, all that stuff, and I want to say, if anybody's been thinking about joining the BC Club. Uh, that's something we talk about all the time. I just want to say that if you've been meaning to do it, it's real, real hard to do because I'm in the same boat. I support a couple other podcasts, and I do think it should be done. So I won't even talk about our club. I have been meaning to join. There's a podcast I listen to all the time called Af- After On with Rob Reed. It's a science podcast. He's great. He had a fiction book, and he did a podcast series, all this Biotech and drones and robotics and AI. I love the podcast called After On, and I support that show. But I've been meaning to support it and join the Patreon for a long time, but I just never did it. So I do think you should support maybe that show or other shows. But you should support the shows that you like. I think that's probably the model we're trying to build. It'd be great if you want to be in the BC Club, but that's the that's the smaller point here. If there's something you've been meaning to do to support an artist, a take in a different podcast somebody that you're g- getting stuff from feels good to do it I'm glad I finally did it and I would urge you to support the shows and the art that is being created and put it, put us at the bottom of the list go sign up for a couple of other clubs and then sign up for the BC Club you can do it at thebcclub.com we have had a lot of new people sign up lately so welcome to the club everybody thank you um, and that's it we gotta get out of here